Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Today we're going to continue on with this series about the New Apostolic Reformation. Uh, today I want to talk about uh, the end times wealth transfer. And chances are I might be talking about this for a couple days because there's a lot to say. But as I mentioned earlier and throughout this series, uh, this crowd, this word of faith, new apostolic reformation slash even some of the hyper charismatic types believe that in the last days, there's going to be a massive wealth transfer where the wealth of the wicked is going to be transferred over into the hands of the righteous. And friends, uh, in the hyper-charismatic circles that I was running with years back, I bought into this. I, I actually believed this. I believed it for quite a long time. And uh, it wasn't, I hate to say it, but it wasn't until uh, somewhat recently, I just, to be honest, guys, I never questioned it. I, when, when so many teachers repeat the same lie over and over and over, and your whole congregation nods their head, but you never are given any scriptural support for it, you just assume, for whatever reason, it's like brainwashing. You just assume they're right. You don't get any real scriptural foundation for it. You just assume it's true. And, well, friends, the more you study the Bible, the more you're going to find that, oh, you know, I hate to say it, but it ain't happening, guys. It ain't happening. It, it might be one of those things that happens on an individual level. I mean, it, it happens to people all over the world all the time. But if you're looking for some great, miraculous, uh, before Jesus comes back, massive end times transfer of wealth where all the believers take on massive piles of billions and billions, possibly trillions of dollars to use for kingdom purposes. Guys, it ain't happening. It's not biblical. It is certainly not biblical. And we're going to look at that. But I think I could probably skip looking at all the scriptures, looking at the scriptures that I want to look at towards the end here by just simply saying, guys, in the end, like I've said before, we're not going to be looking too good. I mean, look, the beast makes war against the saints and prevails. We also see that the beast subjects the world to some kind of a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And if you don't take the mark, if you refuse it, uh, you're going to lose your head over it if they get their hands on you. All right, that doesn't sound like uh, the believers are prospering. They're rolling in the dough and also, you know, uh, dominating the governments of the world. It's not happening. But here we have a crowd, these word of faith, new apostolic Reformation type crowd, these people, these teachers, these apostles and prophets who are false prophets wanting us to believe this stuff. And this is the same crowd uh, that gives us such gems like, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus and his disciples were rich. You know, Jesus, he wore a, a, a one piece suit. Uh, they were rolling in it. OK. And uh, if you're poor. You're, you're living in sin. If you are sick, 
you're living in sin. And uh, we are to be naming it and claiming it. Positive confession, uh, also known as the law of attraction, where whatever we can imagine, okay, if we can speak it out in faith, we can believe it and proclaim it. We can shape our reality, our universe, the world around us, to match what we are proclaiming with our mouth. Guys, this is hurting the cause of Christianity. It's leading believers astray. It, it, you know, believers that have health problems are now living in condemnation. It is a nasty teaching. And to be honest, guys, not even these word of faith guys and these new apostolic reformation guys, none of them are really consistently living this. I mean, come on. They have health problems. Most of them wear glasses or contacts. They're growing old. They're their hair is turning gray. Some of them are dropping dead. Uh, recently, and now I can't even remember, one of the more prominent uh, uh, word of faith type churches, I, I can't remember if it was Bill Johnson's or Benny Hinn's or, or Kenneth Copeland, but one of them out there had an outbreak of smallpox. Oh, man. Okay, really? Healing in the atonement? And here you got a whole church, well, not a whole church, but a, a large portion of the church getting smallpox? I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying it, alright? These guys are false prophets, and they're leading people astray. So it leads me to this question, and, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. I don't know, all right? I'm not trying to poison the well here. I'm not pointing the finger. And I simply don't know what's in the hearts of these men, all right? And and at the same time, I guess you would have to inspect every single one of them to find out what's in their hearts. But I have to wonder. I have to wonder this, all right? I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I've been a part of this movement. Uh, I was part, just so you know, I was part of this movement for a while, for many years, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. And I have to wonder, guys, if this whole end times wealth transfer nonsense is a means to get into the pocketbooks of the believers, of these uh, people, the congregation who are part of these various churches. Because look, here's how it goes. Think about this. Uh, here the teacher says something along these lines. You know, in the last days, God is going to pour out his wealth on all of you. You guys are going to be uh, billionaires carrying out God's kingdom business. And you're not going to have any lack. And you're not going to be uh, worried about making your bills. You'll have so much abundance. You'll be used of God to spread it around. But God needs to test your your worthiness, your ability to be a good steward of his money. And so right now, God is telling me that he wants you to give. He wants to see if you're going to be generous. He wants to see how you will handle his money. All right. You see where I'm going, where I'm going here? I have heard this type of rhetoric firsthand. All right. Uh, guys, again, I went to two of the uh, Toronto airport revivals. I was in, I was in Kansas City at some huge revival there. Uh, oh my goodness, Kansas City. Oh man, there was so much fleecing of the flock. Just unashamed, 
demanding that the people hand over their money. Unbelievable. I can't remember the name of the church. I want to say the pastor was something like Steve Gray. They had this this uh, boom camera that they would swing over the audience during the praise and worship. But, I mean, th- these guys would absolutely fleece the flock. It was like, hey, God is telling me somebody out there has $10,000 they want to give me today. I mean, that kind of stuff. And this pastor was filthy, rotten, stinking rich. Filthy, rotten, stinking rich. Was he spreading it around? I mean, was he using that money to uh, further the gospel? And by that I mean sharing the real gospel as found in the Bible with the world getting people saved? Or was he using it to broaden his tents, the corners of his tents, if you know what I mean. Was he using it to expand his kingdom even farther so that he could continue building even more wealth? It was the latter. Okay, I, I, I was part of this. I went to what I, I think it was the call. I went to some huge uh, event up in Colorado Springs with Ted Haggart and Lou Engel and a whole bunch of others. I think C. Peter Wagner was there too. I can't remember. And I've seen this, guys. I've seen this over and over and over, this push for money. And I just have this bad, sick feeling in my stomach that that is exactly what's going on. This end times wealth transfer story is nothing other than a means to get the people to loosen up their wallets and start forking over the dough. And I have to ask also, if these teachers are so convinced there's going to be a great end times wealth transfer... Why are they pushing so hard to get these people's money? I don't know, guys. I don't know. I I simply don't know, but that's what I've seen. Stacey Campbell, she says this. Oh, she's an interesting one, too. Uh, If you guys want to see a video that will give you nightmares at night and will actually cause you to get whiplash by simply watching this video, type into your browser, Stacey Campbell, it's two L's at the end of Campbell, and Shaking Head. Uh, there was this uh, commissioning of Todd Bentley. I've got a series on him, the, the biker dude with all the tattoos, uh, often seen kicking old ladies in the face with his biker boot, uh, placing his hand on people's head and saying, bam, tackling people, knocking teeth out of mouths, and uh, kicking people with tumors right in the tumor, and then they die a week later. I mean, this guy, okay, and then he cheats on his wife, right? Right in the middle of a, of a quote-unquote revival of God. <laughs> yeah, that guy. You see this stage full of big-named characters. Rick Joyner's there. Stacy Campbell's there. See Peter Wagner's there. Uh, che on John Arnott of the the uh, Lakeland. I'm sorry, the Toronto revival. I mean, you got big names up there, and she starts doing this freaky head shaking thing. Uh, I hate to say, it, but there's people on the internet that are calling her Snake Lady because she starts shaking her head and she sounds like a rattlesnake. It's freaky, and she shakes her head so fast that on the video her head is a blur. Okay, but somehow. Again, it is very creepy. Somehow, her voice comes through in that microphone perfectly. It's unreal. You got to see it. It'll it'll make you sick to your stomach, but it just gives you an idea of what kind of circus, you know, hyper charismatic circus nonsense that goes on in these circles. Anyway, back to this quote here. Stacey Campbell says, "I see God setting hidden men and women of the spirit." 
into strategic, mostly hidden positions for the distribution of billions of dollars. These people have the ears and hearts of kings and will be responsible for the redirection of wealth and favor. Very much like Daniel and Joseph, Esther, these people are already, already in place. The next six months will be crucial for wealth distribution. False prophet, all right? The next six months will be crucial. That was a, that was a while ago, guys. Uh, anyway, you know, why, why the massive preoccupation with wealth? I mean, Guys, I, you know, I run a business. Uh, I, I am a business partner, and I run a business. Uh, and, you know, I want to make a decent living just like anybody else, okay? I would like to feel stable as well. But when I go to church, I'm not talking about money. I'm not sitting around talking about money, money, money. You know, I'm going to go command the angel of finances to go out into the world and get me money. That was Todd Bentley who said that there is always this massive preoccupation with money. And of course, you can't also miss out on the fact that there's a lot of ear tickling going on here, too. These people will will have the ears and hearts of kings and will, will be responsible for the redirection of wealth and favor. Well, this goes back to, again, around the 1990s, okay, around 1989, see Peter Wagner, he starts this new apostolic reformation movement, right? But at the same time, he is uh, resurrecting this idea of the latter reign, that, you know, the, like I mentioned before, the new order of the latter reign, otherwise known as the manifest sons of God, that would be another name that this group goes by. And again, in review, they believe that, that, uh, they're going to have this end times dominionism thing take place where they will actually become this end times army that will take dominion over the earth. And part of those prophecies, if you will, that got thrown around was that there would be this great end times outpouring of wealth and it would, uh, you know, eventually all the wicked's wealth would end up in the saints' hands. And I say that in air quotes. All right. All right. So this was a teaching that actually originally started going around with these end times latter rain, uh, manifest sons of God type movements, right? Well, see, Peter Wagner brings those movements back to life because they were starting to die off, all right? And then you see this type of stuff start passing around, this type of rhetoric. And from there, it starts increasing in speed and intensity as false prophet adds false prophecy on top of additional false prophecies. And as you, you know, you see these crowds, this is kind of how it works. One person utters a false prophecy and then a bunch of other prophets seeing, I say prophets in air quotes, seeing how the crowd reacts uh, will then start adding to or piling on top of or, or, or agreeing with the previous false prophets and their prophecies. And, and it just keeps building and building like an avalanche just coming down the mountain. It just gets bigger and bigger. And so you have these groups, you know, all these 
quote unquote prophets getting together and issuing these prophecies. And of course, I've mentioned the Elijah list many times in this series already. The Elijah list in, in the year 2000 got together and they came up with these 12 points for the next decade. All right. They're talking about 12 things that are going to occur in the next decade. And I want to read a few of these to you. Uh, and, and I have visited their website. This post is still up. Uh, but one thing they said is, as we learn God's kingdom kingdom principles for economics, it is important to invest in kingdom structures rather than in the world's economic systems in this hour. And they say, we will see tremendous transfers of wealth into the kingdom of God through the ministry of market apostles. There you go with those marketplace apostles again. Those with apostolic anointing for business and other areas of society. Guys, false prophecy. That didn't happen. It didn't happen. That was the year 2000. All right? They also say this. This was in the same document. Government shakings. God is going to shake government. Rulers will bow their knee to the Lord of glory and dedicate their nations to the Lord of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, false prophecy. There are no rulers who bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, in or from the year 2000 to the year 2010. Uh, going on, the government of God's kingdom will be established through the apostolic and prophetic authorities in cities and nations. Guys, none of this happened. False prophecy. You don't practice to become a prophet. You either are one or you're not one. In the Old Testament, what happened to a prophet that uttered false prophecy? They got hauled outside the city, and they got rocks thrown out, thrown at them until they were dead. They were stoned. They were put to death. You don't utter false prophecies. You either heard from the Lord, or you did not hear from the Lord. And when you start uttering things like, Thus saith the Lord, God told me this, God told me that, and you turn out to be wrong, you are a false prophet. These guys are false prophets. The Elijah's list, false prophets. I'm going to stop right there. Sorry, guys. I usually don't get this abrasive, but this stuff really works me up. You know, this kind of stuff held me captive for years. And, I, you know, if you've listened to my podcast long enough, you know that I, I liken those experiences to being in a cult. It felt like being in a cult. There was so much pressure put on you to just believe blindly and follow after everything these prophets and apostles would say. And all of this silly nonsense and the, the repeating of these false teachings over and over and over with no scriptural basis to them. Maybe a couple scriptures thrown out for, you know, completely out of context for good measure. Um, and, you know, you're less than spiritual. You don't have the faith. You this, you that. All this guilt on you if you're not buying in. And it really did feel like a cult. And by the way, when I left this movement, I lost most of my friends. And the pastor actually devoted an entire Sunday to bad-mouthing me in front of the whole congregation. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that goes on. Now, that was a smaller congregation, mind you. You're not going to see that kind of stuff happen in a mega uh, mega church because they simply, you know, it's just not going to happen. But man, yes, I do get worked up about this stuff because it, it makes us look silly. 
It makes the Christianity in general look silly. And, it, well, guys, it, it is taking the Lord's name in vain. It really is. I mean, this is really cheapening and turning God and his word and his people into just a big circus act. It's like WWE, I think is what it's called nowadays. We got all these fake wrestlers going out there and yelling at each other and then fake fighting. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just a big circus sideshow. So it does get me worked up, and I apologize. So I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop right there, uh, friends. If you like to chat about this, you can catch me on Google Plus, Facebook, and Twitter. And with that, I love you guys, and I'll see you tomorrow.